Welcome to Behind the Backline, the podcast where we chat with merchants, brands, and industry professionals in the musical instrument, pro audio, and event technology space about their products, services, industry trends, stories, and more. Join us now as we dig into the stories behind our favorite backline gear. Welcome to episode 15 of Behind the Backline. I'm Matt Jacoby of Active Media. And today I am talking with Jim Beyer of Beyer Drums. Thank you for joining me today, Jim. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, it's great to have you, especially uh, right here in, in good old Wisconsin. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed you're Sun Prairie, correct? Correct, yep. And uh, was it Oconomowoc? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing you pronounced it right. Of course, only, only in this state can we do that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, tell us a little bit about, uh, about yourself. Um. I have a custom drum company I started in 2010, uh, a line of uh, steel snare drums. It's the 1.5 steel uh, snare series. And um, that's all I do. I don't do kits. Uh, I just more or less specialized uh, in snare drums for touring and recording. Very cool. So um, do you kind of feel like there is something particular that sets your drums apart or what kind of makes them special? You know, I uh, obviously uh, was a drummer like yourself, mm-hmm. and uh, I could never, again, like so many drummers, could never find exactly what I was looking for. Um, and I owned and bought and used a countless number of snare drums, and, and, they, and they were great. I mean, I settled in with an Anton Fig, a Yamaha Anton Fig, and uh, I loved it, but it still didn't have the bottom end that I wanted. And I have a preference for metal snares. So... I just started tooling here and uh, trying to create what I had in my head, what I wanted to hear, and I was eventually successful at that. Uh, very loud, very um, traditional. Um, they're more reminiscent of vintage snares um, and wide open, kind of an unbridled approach to uh, snare drums. Cool. Yeah, I've never considered myself much of like a, you know, um, I have a drum kit I, I play, but like really doing a lot of spending a lot of time researching sounds and materials and, uh, you know, going for vintage versus modern and, and all that kind of stuff. I've never really been a huge, like deep diver in any sense. So, um, you know, what, what is your opinion on, um, the sounds between, or why do you prefer metal over a wood snare? Um, volume, uh, for one, um, the obvious, the, the metallic side uh, of a metal snare drum. Uh, and, there, and there's a lot of amazing wood drums. Um, I love oak. Um, that, that was probably one of my favorites. Uh, but in the end, that's what I grew up with. And uh, that's just, again, you know, kind of, I guess, what I hear in my head, which is uh, what music and drumming and playing any instrument is all about. And so I just stayed with that because, the, the you know, you can start, making drums <clears throat> if you're truly making them by hand and it, it's almost limitless um so i decided you know to focus uh which was uh, uh which is important and it's worked out great for me very cool so um w- you know if, if you're only doing snares what um what do you have against toms and bass drums <laughs> i <laughs> love toms and bass drums <laughs> But, you know, I, I manually, I wind metal, they're welded shells, I do everything with hand tools. I, I've had numerous requests for kits, and I might, and I very well might do a kit someday. I know exactly what I would do, 
Um, I'm limited on space here. And, uh, and Matt, I am so busy making snare drums that to divert my attention um, to making kits, uh, that, that is a whole different ballgame. And uh, I'm afraid to do that. And I would love to do that. Uh, but right now, it's just not in the cards. It, it makes sense. And then do you, um, are you a one-man shop then? I am a one-man show. Um, I have the spot weld done now. Um, no welding can be done here. Uh, it's an older structure. It'd be kind of dangerous, to be honest with you. Um, I was in an industrial park before where you could throw sparks. And the powder coating, um, I job out. Uh, that's a very hazardous uh, process and, and a very skilled one. And I just, I, I'm not interested in coding, which I probably could do here, uh, but they do such a great job. And that's just, uh, it's, that I don't look at that as a musical portion of this. Um, and uh, it's a finishing and uh, it's better left to people who know exactly what they're doing. Very cool. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, uh, so how many um, different um, models or do you have like a, a, a several lines or models um, that you stick with or do you normally do like custom only or? Yeah, well, you know, and I don't, you know, when people say custom today, it's something other than what you do usually. And I don't do, you know, most of my drums, as a matter of fact, all of my uh, 14 and 15 inch snare drums are eight mug and I get requests for 10 lugs um, and just decline those because, um, it has to do with the snare beds. You end up with two lugs over the snare beds. It can create problems. I've done them. I've done them before, uh, in, in earlier in the beginning. Um, and you know what? They sounded great, but, but again, you know, it's, you, you start doing that and it's almost an endless, uh, process of what, uh, what could be changed. And, uh, the one thing I care about is sound. And, and that, that has always been my focus and creating a, a, a very, very specific sound to all these drums and replicating that in each drum. And when you start changing lugs and this and that, you change your sound. And that, that's something I'm just, I guess, not willing to do at this point. Not really willing to uh, um, compromise on, on sound primarily? No, because you know what? Uh, honestly, Matt, I found what I was looking for. And, and the drums have been extremely successful. Um, I, I wanted to bring the 15-inch snare drum back to the industry in a, in a big way. And, 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 and hopefully I'm, I'm doing that. Um, Modern Drummer has featured them in, in two wonderful articles by Mike Dawson. And uh, I wanted to not bring one, but bring a full line of drum 15-inch drums back, which were popular. Um, before the 1950s and somewhere it just got lost. And uh, I love, uh, those are my favorite probably I would think. And uh, it's just kind of that extra inch um, just adds a whole different dimension to the drum. Cool. And what, um, I'm going to sound like a semi-lost drummer here for a second, but, uh, but, but, you know, after the 15 inches disappeared or at least, just slowly, you know, went into hibernation until you brought them back. Um, what What is kind of the um, standard uh, size um, after 1950? Um, other than 15-inch drums? Yeah. You know what? Today, 14-inch, uh, obviously, but, you know, 13s have made a strong comeback. And, um, 
And just in the last couple of years, I've noticed that. And I've been reading, <clears throat> pardon me, in the trades as well. And I do make 13s. Um, I haven't done an overabundance of them, but they pop up. And uh, <clears throat> I, I've never personally, you know, been a someone who plays a 13-inch snare. Um, but I I'm, I'm like the way they sound, definitely. And 12-inch auxiliary snares are... I do... Uh, five and a half by 12 auxiliary snare that's been incredibly popular. David Northrup, um, Travis Tritt, Oak Ridge Boys, uh, Skaggs, he's a Nashville legend, encouraged me to finish uh, one uh, that I had started and I just never finished it and it's gone amazingly well. And uh, so I would, but to answer your question, probably, <clears throat> probably a 14. Okay. Yeah. And, I, and now that you say that, I'm, I believe mine is a 14. I've, it's one of those things where you spend more time looking at the time sizes because you're looking for bags, you're looking for heads, yeah. but snares are just kind of like, oh, they just, once you get them, they don't go as, you know, they don't have as many cycles as a Tom does. Yeah. Well, uh, and that's, that's, you know, artistry though, Matt, you know, I mean, some, some players I know are more, are focused on their symbols. Um, other players, uh, it sounds like yourself are focused on your toms or you're or worried about, uh, are more concerned about your bass drum sound, which is a difficult sound to get. Um, but me, I've always been a snare drum guy, and there's a huge market um, in that still. Drummers love snare drums. And um, it's, it's always interesting to see what a drummer is uh, primarily concerned about. Yeah, well, I will tell you that I love my quick attacks. I love the crisp sounds, and mm. I do not necessarily enjoy a lot of like the the after tones the ringing um and I'm, I, I'm not a big fan of mufflers um i try to get it as crisp as i can out of the box but we we know that that's not always the case depending on who who's the manufacturer or or what head you're using or or what whatever so so what out of the sizes that you make uh, would you consider your favorite size Oh, definitely the 15s. Um, you know, that that's a question that I'm on the road quite a bit at uh, all types of shows, from uh, shows in basements all the way to stadium shows and um, in discussing with drummers. Um, <clears throat> definitely, if I was heading out on the road and I, I had uh, a drum to take with me, I, that would be tough, but I could narrow it down to two. It would be my uh, four by 15 or my five and a half 15. My five and a half 15 is the first 15 inch drum that I made. Uh, the four by 15 came about um, was the idea of Mark uh, Beckett's. He's one of the uh, house drummers for the Grand Old Opry, Olivia Newton-John's touring drummer. Um, he's an amazing talent and guy. And he asked me about it about three years ago. And uh, doing that, and I thought, well, okay, you know, and I <clears throat> had my doubts because I tend to think deeper uh, depth-wise in drums, and that's a drum that um, I, I, can't, I couldn't even begin to count how many I've manufactured and that are out there. Um, so those two, but I could nail it down to, but I don't know. I don't know what I would do if it came down to one. <laughs> you toss up you feel bad leaving one of them out they become family after a while <laughs> yeah it would be tough i mean because they both are are they're both 15 all all the drums being you know and i i do my own buying of steel uh the grade they all have uh a, like an identifiable tone to them um but they're different 
and um, you know, different sizes is just isn't marketing, um, which I've honestly really never been concerned about. I do almost virtually no marketing. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, I don't know what I would do. And uh, but but I'm not heading down the road, so I, I guess I have time to think about that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like, a, you know, you, you said you had your two favorites, um, but it sounds like you have a, a collection or do you have one of each size that you make that's strictly for yourself? No. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have an arsenal? <laughs> you know, and that um, I tell guys, uh, you know, somebody will come through town and say, hey, I would love to give um, uh, this size of world. And I'd be like, uh, Thanks, John. But guess what? You know, I mean, people sometimes think I have this rack of these gleaming, beautiful drums just ready to ship out. And um, I have one. I have a five and a half by 14 that's here. It's, it's, it's been, everything's happened to this drum except for drop down a set of steps. And everybody has played it. <laughs> and that's it. Because, you know, Matt, when I finish drums, they're gone. And, um, you know, I've finished four more this week. I, I'm starting another six next week. I do this full time. Um, I have an excellent network of dealers and um, it's the one man show thing. And so I just, I don't have that luxury. I would love to be able to hang on to uh, one of each and eventually I will, but I'm also not playing out right now. So, um, you know, it's, I can't uh, afford to have a drum sitting here, just sitting, you know? Yeah. Sounds like you can't have a, uh, a uh, buyer museum of just all the ones that you want to keep and not actually sell, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if something would happen to me, you know, whoever comes in here is going to be really disappointed because it's just a bunch of raw metal and, and, and it's dirty and, uh, you know, it's, uh, but what goes out of here, they go out sparkling and uh yeah so there's no there's no pile of treasure here drum wise <laughs> well that's good to know that you know the end product is well worth it super valuable people love them and they all start in that that messy place that you just described <laughs> yeah you know I, I i told my girlfriend that and i you know and it's uh i said out of this room and you'd have to, you know, the one area where I'm sanding and buffing and you know, grinding things down and cutting snare beds is, you, it, it's impossible to keep a room like that clean. And um, I said, but out of this, you know, they go off and uh, they, you know, end up at shows and stores. And uh, that's the only thing I, I really care about. Well, cool. So how long is like, you know, uh, your typical... Um project life cycle how long does it take to go from beginning to an end of creating one well i do them in runs and you know i wind the metal um and then they're they're tig welded on both sides which is important i think uh, i see drums that are welded that are only welded on one side and i don't think that's a real good idea um and from there uh, um when they come back to me uh from the heat from the welding they have to be reformed um, to a perfect circle. They might be off by a quarter inch, maybe an eighth of an inch, but you have to go around and, and re-bend them manually uh, with your hands. And that, that can be tricky. Um, but again, I've done it hundreds of times, if not a thousand times. Um, and, and from there, uh, I, I clean the metal and you lay your pattern down on it. And, um, and we'll do, you know, it's, it's scored drilled 
Um, and it's three different bits I use per shell plus the scoring. So I might do a run of five. And from there, then I take them to the buffing and cutting and grinding area. And I can produce tops five drums a week. So 20 oh. a month. And that, that, and that's, that does, that, you know, that might not sound like a lot, Matt, but when you're physically making things and running for your steel and packaging and um, it's just you, uh, 20 drums a month um, is a lot. Actually, I was going to say that does sound like a lot for one person. Um, you know, obviously from a, for a more mass producer, that's it, probably pretty minimal, but I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive that you can turn around that many in a week, you know, just on your own. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's nonstop. Uh, but that's also part of the reason, you know, I moved everything back in the house here, uh, to save the commute because commuting is, you know, I, I'd be sitting there thinking, boy, you know, all this time I'm sitting in the car, this and that, I could be finishing a snare bed. And I, and I love being here and it's kind of a squeeze, but uh, it's worked out really well. And, and uh, you know, probably the average uh, is 12 to 15 a month, um, but, I, but I could do 20. And uh, that, that's a lot of, uh, of any series of, of drum, even actually for a large manufacturer, knowing a lot of the industry people and, how many they sell of a particular type of drum they're they're putting out, like Tama or whatever. I think I think people would be amazed at how few of some of those drums they actually sell for being such a massive operation. And others, you know, they produce by the hundreds or thousands. Um, really, hmm. that's kind of crazy to know. <laughs> yeah, it's very very interesting, and uh, I was shocked myself. You know. So I have to ask because you kind of explained the the creation process or the manufacturing process. Um, about a year and a half ago, my wife and my brother-in-law had a snare drum custom made for me for Christmas. Wow. It, the shell, uh, there's a, a small group of friends of his, because he's in a band as well, that makes drums. And um, they made me a snare drum that has a bunch of my um, children's pictures on it as from oh, growing up. And so it's really awesome. But I was just kind of wondering, like, you know, from your perspective, how does, how, how did, like, I, I've kind of been wanting to ask them too, like, how do they add photos to a shell? Is that something you've done before? No, but I've seen it. And I, I've seen all sorts of, uh, you know, personalization. Um, and honestly, I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's more of a silkscreen uh, type process with metal. Okay. And then possibly lacquered over. Um, I, I love that step. My drums are just black and chrome. I have a very traditional approach, but I, I love looking at decorative stuff. I'll never do it, but um, probably one of the coolest drums I ever saw, Trick Drums out of Illinois, had a cityscape of Chicago on, a, on one of their drums. And I thought, you know what? These guys really are great at that. And um, I think that's wonderful to have... Uh, you know, and I, I do get asked to personalize things, but it's just, it's, again, it's, it's not something I do here. And it's good to stick to your guns too. It's like we produce one look, you know, the, the sizes you, requ you request, you know, if you're shooting for sound, you know, there's, there's something to be said about, you know, getting rid of some of the extras that people might be requesting. And, you know, yeah, so like you said, some people are good at customizing like, like the pictures and stuff. And yeah. some people prefer to focus on the sound and they go out as is and, you know, you're, you're shooting more for performance and live and recording capabilities than, than um, visual. So, you know, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I think, I think some people probably get both of those. 
And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of, uh, I, I see stuff that, uh, especially the wood guys out there that are so talented and so great. And I always, always make a point to send them a note like, hey, I saw your drum here. Um, and man, you knocked me out. You're great. And, and, um, and you know, there's, there, it, it, with me, it just boils down to, um, you know, and it's not a bullheadedness, and, or maybe it is, but I can only do so much. Mm-hmm. I might not understand a lot of things about this business, but that I understand that you have to um, make a decision about what exactly you want to do or what you want to portray. And, and, and in this case uh, with me, it's the sound of my drums. I, you know, I, one of the best compliments I had recently was um, Brad Elvis from the Romantics and he's uh, got this knockout band, The Handcuffs in Chicago. He walked into a club and where the bottle rockets were, were playing in Chicago. And he said he walked in and he said, I could tell Mark had one of your drums when I walked in. <laughs> and and that, that, if I had to summarize that, you know, that, that's like the greatest compliment or one of the greatest compliments you could pay me. Because that's precisely what I'm trying to do. Yeah, that just sounds like a heart-stopping compliment right there. I mean, it's like, oh, oh I, I could forget it. Yeah, <laughs> and and drummers, and drummers are are you know you, you know that it, it are, they're like marines. It's a simplified deal. They're like brothers, but but they also don't you know say things that aren't true. Um, and um, it, it's you know when a drummer talks to you about your drum, they'll they'll tell you the good and the bad, but but it's always the truth and. Um, so yeah, it was a very, I'll never forget that. Very cool. Yeah, I know, you know, not thinking about it, I do tend to not necessarily obsess over, but I do seem to have a certain level of caring about how they adapt to like even my basement for, for sound. And while mm-hmm. I, I love what they look like, they have a black and ash gradient finish. I've had oh. compliments on how they look, but you know, ultimately it comes down to, can I make these sound better without being liked? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's the difficulty in, but that's also the fun of it. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, you've mentioned a few people um, kind of in passing here, like who's using your drums, but uh, do you have uh, uh, like a, what's your, your drummer family look like? I know every dr- drum company has got their family of users. So I just kind of see what, who, who's, you know, it, who's it's very extensive, and I, I just started a section on my website, a uh, player pictorial directory, and um, and you know, Matt, it ranges from guys that just started to you know, uh, Monty Yoho of the Outlaws, and and um, uh, it, it's it's there's probably a hundred people up on that list. Uh, probably to go into that would be I'd put you to sleep. <laughs> But I've, but I've also, I spent years on the road um, in, in a real kind of way, in, introducing myself, um, sitting with drummers, uh, asking, uh, what are you looking for? Um, or what, what do you want to hear? Or what, uh, what do you need for this or that? So um, I've been very, very lucky that way. Um, drummers have been very receptive. Um, but but in, in, if you're going to go on the road and you know, introduce yourself and all these big shows or small shows or whatever they are, um, <clears throat> you got to have something real and you have to be a real person to do that and um, do it sincerely. 
and uh, and not only drummers, musician, any musician, real musician, um, is wide open. And you can tell from this this whole conversation that you are extremely, you know, honest and genuine and prefer the sound and, you know, making sure what's out there is is better than who's playing them and, and what they look like. And so, um, you know, that's that's the best place to be. I, I want to come if you're talking about music, that's kind of what was always in my heart, so to speak, Matt. And, uh, you know, music is, <clears throat> you know, the industry today and. You know, you hear mostly the bad, but music will always survive. And uh, but I just think it's got to get back to back to music, mm -hmm. um, which is going to be tough. There, there, there are powerful forces working against that. Um, and uh, but I think there's still enough real musicians that truly want to play and produce things uh, that uh, I think music will will go on and and might even get even better than it was possibly. It definitely no i can i could totally agree with that and it's music music itself can't die it's just unfortunate that uh, like you said those more powerful forces will try to use music for its non-creative side um, oh sure more or advertising so, or yeah you know, selling an automobile or whatever um yeah I, uh, I just i know too many artists that you know, they, they, they still put out music, uh, they put it out slower because uh, there, there's nothing to gain outside of the satisfaction, but you have got to produce some income from music. And that's, that's, that has been made to be almost impossible for most, particularly upcoming artists. Um, but again, I think, I think there's always, uh, I'm an optimist. I'm a, I'm a realist, but I'm an optimist too. And I, music is too powerful. Of, I, I think it's the most powerful force in this world, if you're talking affecting everybody, um, music is it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I hope it goes the right way. As a universal language, yeah, it really can't be afford to be eliminated anyway. So I'm yeah. I'm sure it will win at some point, depending on you know whatever that might look like. <laughs> yeah, in 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 today's world, who knows? I mean, literally, who knows? Um, but we'll see. Yeah. You know? Time will tell, and well, yeah. I, uh, we're we're all able to influence it to some degree, you know. However, we can all be soldiers in the same battle. So, <laughs> well, you know, Matt, the fact that you're doing this podcast is is huge. You know, throwing your hat into the ring, and and it, whether you're doing podcasts and you're also a drummer, whether you're uh, you know on a major tour, whether you're uh, playing on a sidewalk at Starbucks with a trio. Um, that that's what keeps it all going. You know? Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I yeah, I gotta do our part. I I know know exactly what you mean. So, <laughs> well, cool. So, um, just uh, last quick plug. What's uh, what uh, is your website so people can check out more of your drums? Um, it's of course www.bayerdrums.com. Um, and it's B E I E R. Or if you just think of the word beer with an I uh, in between the E's. Um, but, but even if you misspell it, you know what? I have a, a very large and extremely extensive website. Um, it'll, it'll come up, you know, it will, uh, you know, I've been on the web uh, for some time. I, I, I am on social media to a relatively limited degree. The majority of my time is spent on my website um uh, for content and uh, so when drummers go there uh it's as inclusive as possible 
Cool. Yeah, perfect. And I think any drummer in Wisconsin should have no problem with adding an I to the word beer. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's, yeah, I was thinking, you know, how do I describe this? But I, I told you before, if you say beer, that sticks with people. So, um... <laughs> so we're just dividing the word beer with an I, write down the two E's. Anyone listening, this should be easy for you to do. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, and you know, you say that to people and then you see them smile like, oh, okay, I'll remember that. <laughs> I'm like, it you well. <laughs> Drunk or sober, I know what that is. Yeah, it's like saying vodka and, you know, with an I after the A on the end. They'd be like, oh yeah, I won't forget that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, this has been fun. It's been uh, It's been awesome learning about your drums and your operation and, you know, what your story has been behind making these snares. And uh, I wish you all the best and moving forward. I really appreciate it, Matt. Thank you for listening to Behind the Backline, brought to you by Octave Media, an inbound marketing agency focused on helping music merchants develop an automated solution to increase website sales. You can find Octave Media at www.octave.media. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or Google Play Music to learn more about great products and companies in the musical instrument, pro audio, and event technology space. And be sure to leave a review to let us know what you thought of this episode. We encourage you to share us with your friends and colleagues via social media, and we'll see you next time. Take care.